Getting videos for me and your sister. That's totally fine because then I'm not wasting my life away looking for said videos. It's not wasting your life away. It's like self care. <laughs> my self care is reading and writing. <laughs> you like cat videos. Yeah, you send them to me so I don't have to look for them. Yeah, but you need to just go on so you can send me. Even videos. Jasmine says no. It's a form of love. It is a love language. Sending people your favorite TikToks is a love language. That's beautiful. Then I'm so glad you not, like me. You're not answering my love language though. I'm not. So we have a core issue here. Are we already divorced and we haven't even gotten married? I mean, you wouldn't be the first person that happened. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> oh my uh, gosh. Anyway. All right, well, hello Hi. everyone. Welcome back. <laughs> Yay. We're just arguing about TikTok and our relationship <laughs> daily. Because <laughs> Kat doesn't actually love me. Oh no. I love you in my own weird way, sick, twisted way. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right, so welcome back. Um, I'm Rachel. I'm Kat. And this is Difficult Damsels. Hi. So we already had um, a question from our first episode oh, from yes, one of did. your friends. We did. Yes. Hi, Julieta. Hello. <laughs> All right, so Julieta asked us what happened to Elizabeth Bathory's children. I have a short answer for you. They married other nobles. They faded into the background because their mother took enough fame for everyone. That's honestly what I would imagine it would be. So the eldest daughter, Anna, married the wealthy and powerful Count Nikola VI Zrinsky, a Croatian count. He was the grandson of the famed Nikola IV Zrinsky. They they all have the same names, okay? Then just say it once. <laughs> so Nikola IV. Zrinsky, who was the ban of Croatia from 1542 until his death in 1556. And during his lifetime, he helped the Zrinsky family to become the most powerful noble family in the kingdom of Croatia. So good match for her. Yeah. yeah. The other children, Ariska, it, I, all I could find was that she married a nobleman. And then Paul Nadaste married another noblewoman and was the father of Franz III, a Hungarian general that went on to lead a conspiracy against Holy Roman Emperor Leopold I. So that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, All I right. would imagine it's really hard to uh, gain a name for yourself. When yeah, you're you can't beat your mom moms. at that point. Sorry. Yeah, Elizabeth Bathory. <laughs> I think at that point you're like, please marry me so I get rid of this name. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, and then the other thing I know we need to address is apparently we've been called out for the fact that we did not address... The talker in the room. Yeah, our third co-host. I would like to officially apologize to the Grand Duchess, Anastasia. She's usually the mouthy cat. Um, but you'll hear. (laughs) Yeah, you will always hear her talk. She gets really bored easily. I'm so sorry, Anya. Please forgive me. Yeah, we talk for like an hour and she's like, excuse me, why is there no attention on me? (laughs) So, that's the Grand Duchess Anastasia, aka Anya. We do call her the Grand Duchess. We do. And that's how all of you need to refer to her because you are 
We also call her Baron, but that's because we're family. You all must refer to her as the Grand Duchess. (laughs) She's your Baron and my adoptive Baron. Yeah, basically. Who always tries to bite me, but I love her. She's a monster. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So episode two is on Empress Matilda. I actually don't know who that is sorry continue i was gonna i was gonna ask if you know anything about i no. i probably have heard in passing but i'm really bad with names so i've definitely mentioned her okay but a lot of people don't know who she is so her official titles are holy roman empress and lady of the english she is also known as empress maud if you look her up and she is the almost first queen regnant of england i'm sorry did you say almost i did okay almost first first queen that ruled in her own right and she predates mary tudor by almost exactly 400 years mary tudor is in henry's child yes okay <laughs> AKA... the spanish princess that's not an ad it was really good you should watch it <laughs> aka um bloody mary oh is that who that is that's who okay. that is yes i didn't um... have you sitting there with me watching it so you weren't telling me who who was who <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> Mary Tudor, Bloody Mary, because she killed a lot of Protestants. Oh. She burned them at the stake. That's rude. Yeah, a little bit. I mean. And as for Empress Matilda, she was one of the main claimants to the throne during the Civil War known as the Anarchy. That's what the war was called? The Anarchy? Yes. Okay. It, okay. it occurred for about 19 years. Okay. Her official titles were Queen of Germany, Queen of the Romans, and Holy Roman Empress. Why Queen of Germany? Oh, we'll get there. Okay. She <laughs> she has quite the fascinating life. <laughs> I feel like you've named like eight different continents and uh, continents, countries, you know. Same thing. God damn it. She so she has essentially three periods in her life. Her first period is when she is married off as a child bride to the king of Germany, who goes on to become the Holy Roman Emperor. Oh, this child bride's gonna become a thing in our podcast. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> And then the second period of her life is when she marries Joffrey of Anjou. Wait. Sorry. You will tell me all about this. I know you will. <laughs> the first husband dies. Okay. Does he die then, or does she kill him? Uh, she does not kill him. I regret to inform you. <laughs> and then the third period of life is when she is the queen mother of Henry II Ooh. of England. Ooh. I'm going to break... Two things out really quick, because you're going to hear me use queen in two different ways. There's queen regnant, which means a queen who rules in her own right. Is it regnant or regent? I'm sorry, I'm not trying to correct you. I believe it's regnant. Okay. It's spelled R-E-G-N-A-N-T. Okay, sure. Yeah. (laughs) If you want to correct us, um, fuck off and (laughs) go from there. No, you you can correct me. I don't care. You can correct Rachel. Cat won't care. Any shits. I... Please tell me I'm wrong. So Queen oh, Regnant, it's, it's okay. Regnant. Okay. I will eat my words if it's not. Um, queens who rule in their own right. And then Queen Consorts are the queens who marry the kings. So they're queens by marriage. Okay. Yes. Learn all the things with you. <laughs> I, that's what I mean. I hope you all learn all the things with me. The Anarchy was a tumultuous period of civil war that revolved around a succession crisis for the throne of England. The Anarchy occurred between December 1135 and November 1153, almost 19 years. 
Empress Matilda was the daughter of King Henry I, who named her as his heir, as his <laughs> heir, who named her as his heir after his only legitimate son, William Adelin, drowned during the sinking of the white ship in 1120. So the civil war was between Empress Matilda and her cousin Stephen of Blois, or Blois. I call him Stephen of Blois because I hate him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, his okay, Blois or Blois is B L O I S. It's French. It's a county in France. Blois. No, Blois. that's not it. Blois. Blois. <laughs> Whatever. I'm going to call him Stephen of Blois because that's how I feel about him. I feel like you're about to offend some seriously French people right now. I'm sorry. It doesn't mean anything against you. She only, hates Stephen of Blois. Only Steven? against it's Stephen. Okay. Yes. <laughs> He is the only King Stephen in English history, by the way, because That's no one... That's such a boring name. Well, nobody wanted to take his name because he sucked, okay? His name's Stephen. <laughs> Sorry, Stevens. It's what a boring name. Stephen from My Favorite Murder. Stephen! Stephen! <laughs> well, that was loud. <laughs> Sorry. Historical context time. The year Matilda is born occurs three years after the end of the First Crusade. At this point, four crusader states have been established. The county of Edessa, the principality of Antioch, the kingdom of Jerusalem, and the county of Tripoli. I love how they all have different names. Or like different, like, it's county how they and the kingdom. And the... Okay. So counts, I believe, counts rule in Edessa. Principality means it's princes and then kings. Kingdom, king of yeah. queens. <laughs> um, I could be wrong. Tell like, me, tell I guess. Me they send have a me governor? an email. What's happening here? The Siege of Jerusalem was the climax of the First Crusade and was notable for its mass slaughter of Muslims and Jews in the city. This event will go on to inform much of the European and Middle Eastern world stage political climate for the next couple hundred years as Christians, Muslims, and Jews fight to, ma fight to maintain control over the Crusader states. In 1119, the Knights Templar are founded to protect Christian pilgrims on the way to Jerusalem. You're about to be attacked. Oh, hi, Jenna. <laughs> Are you going to come sit? She I wants love, to hear the story, too. I love how they're all, like, out and I know. rowdy and story ready time. to go. Story time in the Casa de Gato, literally. In 1124, David I is crowned King of the Scots. In 1127, the Northern Song Dynasty loses power to the Jin Dynasty in China. In 1130, the papal schism that lasts for eight years between Pope Innocent II and anti-Pope Anacletus II exists, occurs. His, his name was Pope Innocent? Yes, there are many Pope Innocents. I guarantee he's a piece of shit. Sorry. <laughs> I couldn't tell you. I don't know anything about Pope Innocent II. Um, but I do find it interesting that you have anti-Popes at this time because there's a schism in the church. So... Sorry, this is irrelevant, but I want to know. Anti-pope? So when the cardinals can agree on a pope uh -huh. and essentially have a schism of how they want to run the church, uh -huh. a completely separate church is formed. Cool. So they basically made their own club. Yes. Cool. And there's, Great. it's actually really fascinating papal history. I need to bring my brother in on this because I swear to the good lord above... Watching you and my brother talk Roman history would be fucking fascinating. I would Christopher like talk, talk history with anyone. Like <laughs> fucking come at me. He's a history <laughs> major and he's obsessed with Roman history and Roman the Roman history Empire. Is very fascinating. Yeah. So you two in a room, Christopher. <laughs> you have to come visit so you can be on this podcast. Okay, great. Only if I can hear you call him Christopher. Christopher. 
1132, the Southern Song Dynasty establishes China's first permanent standing navy. In 1136, Suger, I think it's Suger, Suger, it's French. It's French. <laughs> begins rebuilding the Abbey Church at St. Denis. I do know it's called that because I studied it in college. Wait, wait I thought you studied film. I was an art history minor. So the Abbey Church at St. Denis, which is regarded as the first building created in the Gothic architectural style. Oh, yes. In 1137, King Louis VII of France marries Eleanor, the Duchess of Aquitaine, a.k.a. Empress Matilda's future daughter-in-law, Eleanor of Aquitaine. That's a spoiler alert. Spoiler alert! For a future episode that I'm working on already. (laughs) You guys, she bought a full-on book. I'm not kidding. I'm gonna it's amazing. This is why I love her. I'm going to buy more books. <laughs> <laughs> and then in 1145, the Second Crusade is launched in response to the fall of the, count- of the county of Edessa. All right. So there's our historical context for this Onto time period. On to Matilda. I'm so, sorry, but every time you say Matilda, I think of Matilda. Like, like, the, like the movie the Matilda. The book and the movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sorry. I won't. I will. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to issue another apology right now. Stop apologizing. There's a lot of Matildas in this story. Ew. There's a lot of Henrys in this. Is it like the Elizabeths and the Henrys and the the Pauls and the Richards? There's a lot of Matildas. There's a lot of Henrys. And I'm pretty sure there's at least one or at least two Joffreys. Get new names. They can't. Okay, we only had two. Find new ones. (laughs) Be like the Irish and just start drinking in a pub and put consonants together and just be like, we'll pronounce it like this. Siobhan. Siobhan is my cousin's name, and that's actually one of my favorite Irish I love that name. My favorite is Sarah, but anyway. Shouts out to Siobhan. Hey. <laughs> All right, so who was Empress Matilda? We do have an approximate birth date. It's February 7th, 1102. I love how you say that confidently, but it's still an approximate birth date. I, we're pretty certain on this. I mean, it's still approximated. This makes her an Aquarius. Oh, God <laughs> She was the daughter and first legitimate child of Henry I of England and Matilda of Scotland. (laughs) Fucking Matilda. There's gonna be more. I know. (laughs) She was the granddaughter of William the Conqueror on her father's side and King Malcolm III of Scotland on her mother's side, who was a descendant of Alfred the Great. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Point being, she comes from two great lines of kings, William the Conqueror from the Normans. Well, he, he wasn't a king in Normandy, then, but... Okay. Noah's in France. Wow. That's why I brought this book, okay? Just We're, ignore everything that just happened, because I don't know my geography. <laughs> You're gonna learn. I have maps. <laughs> I have maps! I do. Um, so... Two great lines, one William the Conqueror, and then on the other side, the old English kings descending from Alfred the Great, who you know from the Last Kingdom. I appreciate you for that. I do. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That Alfred. Yes, I like him. He's he's the one who unified, well, started to unify England. He was sort of kind of open-minded. He was. Sort of kind of. So, not much is known about her childhood other than the fact that she was taught to read and she studied religious morales. She was taught to read. Well, thank fucking Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. She had one legitimate brother, William Adeline, the presumed heir to the throne. Her father, famously, was a bit of a philanderer who had many mistresses 
and fathered approximately 22 illegitimate children. Most famously amongst uh, those illegitimate children was Robert of Gloucester, who would later go on to be the chief military commander of Empress Matilda's army. So remember that name, Robert of Gloucester. In late 1108 or early 1109, when Matilda was approximately six years old, Henry V, the king of Germany and the Romans, sent envoys to Matilda's mother wishing to claim her hand in marriage. I'm sorry, one more time. Um, she was six? Like, S-I-X, seis. How do you say it in French? I, I don't know. I can't go above un d'un trois. Un <laughs> nope, I can't do French. Email us. <laughs> Yes. She was six years old. She was six. So, and he wanted to marry a six-year-old. So this was a very tempting marriage proposal for Matilda's father. No, she's six! Sorry. For political reasons. <clears throat> no, she's still six I, years old. She is, yes. I'm sorry. I still couldn't get over the fact I, that Bathory was, what, 15 when she got I think she was, yeah, she was 15 when she married in like 12, 11 or 12 when she was engaged. Yes, this is, unfortunately for royal children, not unknown. So the reason this was such a um, highly sought-after political match was because Henry I's royal house was relatively new, and marrying his daughter to, um, who was arguably the most prominent king in Europe at the time, would help give some legitimacy to his reign especially because he was the fourth son of William the Conqueror. What happened to his other three sons? A lot of inner fighting. Okay. Yeah. And this is Henry of Germany. Henry V. Not Henry of England. Yes, so Henry V of Germany. <sighs> I just, for the people who don't know history, There's a lot and of who Henry's. only hear names, like myself, I'm, I'm always going to use the country name. Okay, so Henry of Germany. Yes. No, no. Yes. Henry V of Germany <laughs> okay. wanted to marry Matilda, who was the daughter of Henry I of England. I told you there were going to be a lot of Henrys, and there's more coming. I wish everyone could see my face right now. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> On the flip side of that, Matilda's hand in marriage came with a dowry of 10,000 marks, which her future husband would use to fund his expedition to Rome, where he would be crowned the Holy Roman Emperor. Okay. So what is a Holy Roman Emperor? Oh God, okay. <laughs> so the Holy Roman Empire was created by Constantine. I'm going to give you a very brief rundown. Okay. So created by Constantine, it included a collective of kingdoms in Central Europe, including, at the time, Germany, Bohemia, and parts of Italy. This will go on to expand and include France and Spain, possibly other countries, and the Holy Roman Empire went on to exist into the 1800s before oh, wow. it was finally dissolved. Okay. Um, so the title was not one that was inherited, but rather elective at the time amongst the German princes. And then this person once elected would be crowned by the Pope. And the okay. whole, the general idea is that the Holy Roman Emperor is the elected protector of the Roman Catholic Church. So there's princes. Yes. Who vote for an emperor mm -hmm. who is bestowed awesomeness by the Pope. Yes. Okay. And then that person <laughs> will go on to represent the Pope militarily. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 
So, like, don't piss off the Holy Roman Emperor. I thought that was always a thing, but okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, when they were betrothed, Matilda was six and Henry was, I believe, 24. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not saying it. Yeah. Go ahead. It's so, <laughs> after leaving for Germany, she was placed in the custody of Bruno, the Archbishop of Trier, which is one of the Roman Catholic... Is it Diosi? Diosi? Why are you asking me like You're that? Catholic! Bitch, I... I'm Catholic by birth! <laughs> Email us. Email Rachel. But this is in Germany. Um, and under Bruno's tutelage, she was educated in German culture, manners, and government to prepare her for the future role of Holy Roman Empress. Wait a minute! So there were empresses? Yeah, so... But, like, attached to emperors? Yes. So, like... Okay. So that being said... Mm -hmm. Because she was receiving all of this um, tutoring, it mm -hmm. suggests that this was not intended to be an ornamental title. What do you mean all this tutoring she read? <laughs> well, more than that, they, like, trained her in the culture and essentially, like, prepared her for the role. Gotcha. So she was very much expected to take part in politics, and indeed she did. Matilda was said to have taken the role very seriously and was given the nickname of the Good Matilda for her success by the courtiers. Because there were like 5,000 Matildas. The yes. Good Matilda. Okay. I think the important thing to take away here is that at a very young age, um, so by the time they're married, it's 1114. She's 12. I was going to say, what is she, seven? <laughs> she's 12. They, they waited till she was 12. Oh, wow. Well, gracious. She's crowned as the Queen of the Romans in a very large and lavish affair. By the age of 12, she's assuming political powers. Okay. So marriage to Henry V, the king of the Germans and the Holy Roman Emperor. So the period immediately... Wait. Okay, no, I got there. Sorry. <laughs> you like you, you said that very fast. So the king of the Romans and the Holy Roman Empire. So Emperor. King of, king of Germany, king of the Romans, and Holy... Roman Emperor. He's actually not the Holy Roman Emperor yet. He's about to be. Okay. So he's initially King of the Germans. Okay. And in taking on the Holy Roman Emperor, he assumes the title of King of the Romans. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> For the folks who want to listen but are not history buffs. I like, I'm a history enthusiast. And that was okay. something I learned. Okay. While doing this. Beautiful. So the period immediately following their marriage was one met with political unrest across the Holy Roman Empire. After being crowned the Holy Roman Emperor, Henry V of Germany arrested other German princes that had initially helped him attain the title, only to turn against him later due to territorial disputes and, from what I read, some personality disputes as well. I mean, that sounds right. If you have power, you're going to have enemies and friends. Yeah. Just, just so there's, there's, there's just a lot of like civil unrest at this point, a lot yeah. of fighting. Yeah, yeah. The rebellions that followed across the empire resulted in the excommunication of Henry V by Pope Pascal II. This would result in Henry V and Matilda gathering an army together to march on Rome by 1117. Oh, shit. By this point, Matilda is fully invested in running the imperial court, including sponsoring grants and listening to petitioners. She is 16 years old. Jesus. I can't do that now, and I'm I know, 30 I was fucking like, years old. What did I? What was I doing at six? What was I doing? Arguing with my parents and being a piece of shit. That's what I was doing. <laughs> she was. I wasn't even driving at six. She was arguing with popes. That's fine. She's better than me in obviously every way. <laughs> 
Pope Pascal II fled by the time Henry and Matilda arrived in Rome with their army, and in his absence, the future anti-Pope Gregory VIII crowns the two at St. Peter's Basilica. It's f- Okay, so if he's the anti-Pope, is that going to cause problems later on that he is the one who said, hey, look at you, you're king and queen, or emperor oh, and empress? I, I, I just wonder. I just, it's, I'm just wondering. Who, who knows? Your face is telling me, obviously, <laughs> yes, dumbass. <laughs> so it's from this point Matilda claims the title of Holy Roman Empress, and from here on out is styled as Empress Matilda. Haley. And yes, her contemporaries of the time called her Empress Matilda. You bet they did. So when the pair returned to Germany, Henry left Matilda as his regent to govern in Imperial Italy as the Holy Roman Emperor's voice. There's really not much more beyond that. Like, she did pretty good. I mean, it's not like she's she's running the army or anything, but she is, she is in charge of, like, the court. She's hearing petitioners, yeah. and she apparently did a pretty good job. She's the voice of the emperor, so she's obviously speaking for him, and he trusts her enough. Yes, he very to much speak for him. He very much trusts her enough to stay in Italy while he returns to Germany to continue dealing with the unrest. All right. So marriage goals throughout, right? Like, <laughs> let's live in separate countries. <laughs> I'm for it. Wait, what are you trying to say? You don't want to live in the same country. I mean, I love you, but I couldn't live with you. That's fine because I couldn't live with you either. <laughs> Throughout their marriage, Matilda and Henry remained childless. And interestingly enough, the chroniclers of the time blamed their infertility entirely upon Henry V. Really? Claiming it was his sins against the church that left him childless. Oh, snap. You don't fuck with the church. No. (laughs) It's like a rule. Even I know that. Their marriage was relatively short-lived, however. Oh. Henry V died of cancer in May of 1125. So they knew it was cancer then. I mean, we call it cancer now. I don't know if they knew it was cancer back then. Okay. They probably called it something else. They probably called it sin. He died of sin. Potentially. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) So Matilda found herself in a bit of an awkward situation as a 23-year-old widow. She's 23. She's 23. So as a 23-year-old imperial widow, being childless, she basically had two options which was join a nunnery or remarry because join a nunnery sounds great (laughs) i'm sorry (laughs) so despite the fact that like when he died he literally put the imperial regalia in her hands but because she has no children to actually continue the line it means nothing her baby maker ain't broken oh no it's not so (laughs) and that's precisely it her baby maker isn't broken she is can that be a shirt she is (laughs) She is once again on the market. Okay. Despite receiving several marriage offers from the German princes, she elected to return to Normandy after forfeiting her estates within the empire. Normandy is in uh, north central France. France, as we established earlier. Yes. Think think of World War II, like the beach of Normandy. Yes. See, look at that. speaking my language. All right. (laughs) For my World War II nerds out there. (laughs) But yeah, so she forfeits all her estates within the Empire, and it's clear she had no intention of sticking around in Germany. She can't hold them. Okay. She literally has, like, no power on her own there. There's no reason for her to stay. But the whole point is she can't stay. Okay. Unless she marries someone there and she didn't want to. Okay. So she goes back home, essentially, which is Normandy. Got you. Okay. Um, So another interesting tidbit. When she returned to Normandy, she took with her some of her jewels, 
She took the imperial regalia <laughs> she was given. Yes. And my favorite part, she took the holy relic of the hand of St. James the Apostle with her. Old girl. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, you're so macabre. I love it. You're so macabre. Wait, like, uh, I'm sorry. Um, Like a legitimate severed hand? What um, is wrong with people? <laughs> yeah. What? Like, no, you don't. St. James the Apostle. No, 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 no. You don't keep hands. <laughs> okay. People kept the That's cross disgusting. that Christ supposedly died on. Supposedly. In yeah, the, like, slivers. That's it, allegedly. Ugh. What? I, okay. It, body parts were kept, okay? People are weird. I don't... People are aggressively <laughs> weird. All right, so let's go back a couple of years. Back to England. The white... Before husband died? Before husband died. Okay. Yeah, so we're going back to 1120, so this is five years earlier. Back in England, the white ship disaster of 1120 occurs. So just to give you an idea of what this meant for England, not only was the only legitimate male heir to the English throne on that boat, but so were around 300 passengers. Many of them were senior nobles of the English court. Oh, damn. And many of it was presumably other heirs. Travel in separate groups, guys. Yeah. (laughs) It is likely that several other heirs were lost during the shipwreck, and this is right off of the Normandy coast. William is said to have escaped initially aboard a rescue boat, but upon hearing the screams of his half-sister, insisted on returning. And it is when they do this, because of all the people who were still in the water. They they, got swamped? They got swamped and the boat capsized. You never go back, I'm sorry. Yeah. Have her swim to you. Another interesting thing of note is the fact that apparently there was a lot of binge drinking on this boat. My kind of William, William basically like <laughs> got a whole bunch of wine and brought it onto the boat to entertain everybody. Apparently Stephen of Blois, <laughs> this our, bitch. our future king of England, was famously supposed to be on that boat, but disembarked before the ship set sail because of all the partying going on. Because he was a little bitch and couldn't handle his alcohol! So just imagine the fact that everything we are going to talk about now could have been prevented. If you do die. If stupid Stephen (laughs) of I'm in love with how much you hate him. Had decided not to be a wet blanket. You guys. And stayed on the boat. You guys. Rachel does not hate people. I would like you to know that. Like, go ahead. I am sorry. I'm the one who hates people. That's a horrible thing to say, but a lot of people would have lived if he had just, you know, stayed on the boat. Rachel, I'm so in love with you right now. I love you too. (laughs) Don't ever do that again. I'm sorry. I'm done. All right. So Matilda's second. Don't ever do that again. Sorry. Her affection makes me uncomfortable. (laughs) I can't handle it. Your affection, it creeps me out. I don't even show... That was the one time. (laughs) All right, so Matilda's second marriage to Joffrey of Anjou. I like that name, but it makes me think of Game of Thrones. I know. (laughs) Well, I think it might be Joffrey, but I'm going with Joffrey. Of course you are. Well, let me see. It's right here. That is definitely Joffrey. Yeah, that's what I said. Okay, so Matilda's father, Henry I, fully anticipated being able to produce a second son um, with his second marriage, but providing that that did not happen, he declared that Matilda would be his successor. And as it turned out, he never has another legitimate son. Oh yeah. So on Christmas Day in 1126, 
The Anglo-Norman barons. Anglo-Norman meaning the nobles of England and Normandy. Because at this point, Normandy is under English rule. And that's why I have maps. Oh my god, you guys. She literally has a book of maps and then she has a map on her notes. I have many maps and these will be included on her Facebook post. So You have to send them to me, obviously. Are you coming at me? Are you coming at me with maps? Okay. I I want you to see. So, England... Uh-huh. English Channel. Okay. Normandy. Cool. Anjou. Oh, okay. <laughs> I love you so much right now. I, it's important to have maps. <laughs> I know that you are adorable. Go ahead. Honestly, you show me a map in a book that I'm reading and I'm all into maps, but when you come at me with maps, I just think you're adorable. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> I know I'm adorable. <laughs> On Christmas Day in 1126, they all gather in Westminster. Oh my God. Westminster? Westminster Church mm-hmm. to swear an oath that they would recognize Matilda as Henry the First's heir, along with any legitimate heirs she might produce. Oh, hell yes, girl. It should be noted, however, that sources from this time period are relatively, are relatively divided on the manner in which these oaths were solicited. So, like, forced or, like, so of their own volition? The chroniclers that support Matilda say uh-huh. these oaths were given freely. Of course they do. The chroniclers that support Stephen suggest they were forced. I forgot Stephen is still a thing. Okay. Stephen of Law is about to become a big thing. So Matilda's father ended up marrying her to Joffrey of Anjou, the eldest son of Folk, the Count of Anjou in Normandy. It was Henry I's intention to use... I know, I'm upset too. Gemma did not like that statement. That's pretty much how the Normans felt about this. Okay. So traditionally, Normandy and Anjou have always been at odds with one another because Anjou is on the southern border. So they're they're constantly fighting. Ah, yes. As I see. So that was... That you gave me. (laughs) That's that's the intention of marrying Matilda to Joffrey. It's so they can strengthen that southern border with Normandy. Okay. So the Count of Anjou was also considered a rival to Henry I, his lands being directly south of Normandy, which are also Henry I's lands. Henry I is her dad? Yes. Okay. Because again, they descend through William the Conqueror, who was the Duke of Normandy. Got you. Okay. So this was very much intended to be a political marriage used to ease those border tensions. I was going to say, is there anything other than political marriages? <laughs> it really isn't. So time for a little context on the status of England and France at the time. At this point, England actually has claim to several northern provinces in France due to the fact that they descend from William the Conqueror, who had been Duke of Normandy, which I already mentioned. <laughs> so the English at this point have influence over the duchies of Normandy, Anjou, Terrain, and later the Duchy of Aquitaine, okay. which is when Eleanor of Aquitaine marries Matilda's son. This is going to be at least another 20 years, okay. approximately. Okay. But just to give you an idea with this map, this oh, is France. The red is what England will end up owning. Wow. So, so when we get future claims to France from English kings, it's because of this. Dang. Yeah, there's a wow. huge portion of France that you was... You want your notes back? I, yes, please. I don't have this all memorized. <laughs> I know that's crazy to, like, imagine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We got so many, I got so many comments from people who were like, I could hear the rustling of your notes. Listen, people. Listen, bitch, we got notes. I don't have a photographic memory, okay? <laughs> I have notes. We're giving you quality. This is what 
amateur podcasting looks like. Hello. You should try it. <laughs> yeah, you should. It's fun, actually. The alliance with Anjou had been previously secured when Matilda's brother, William, was married to Folk's daughter, also named Matilda. Don't dare. No. Yes. <laughs> yes. And we're not done with the Matildas. Okay. But when William died, that alliance was nullified. So yes, Matilda goes on to marry her former brother-in-law. <gasps> so Matilda was supposedly not happy at all with the idea of marrying Joffrey of Anjou. <laughs> he was 15 at the time and she Ew. was 25. I mean... I wouldn't be happy why? either. So uh, She really was not happy about it. I would not be... On either. top of the age difference, which, I mean, again, for them, it's that time period, it's, it's going to be par for the cause if you're either... Yeah. 10 years older or younger, that's considered good. Yeah. Like, you lucked out. But she's a... She's 23 now? 25. 25. And this girl was running courts by the time she was 23, and then she's like, this bitch is 15. Well, so on top of that, she very much considered him below her rank, because she goes from being the empress and marrying a holy Roman emperor to marrying the son of a count. So she was not happy. I would not be either. And she very much considered his station to be beneath hers. And for the next couple of years, they're said to have had a bit of a tumultuous marriage. I wonder why. Because he's a 15-year-old boy? They were married a year later in Le Mans, France, on June 17th of 1128. The next couple of years for their marriage were rocky. Henry I was apparently deliberately vague on to whether he intended Joffrey to play a role in governing when Matilda eventually took on the crown after he died. Okay. And Joffrey, like, wasn't happy with that. And then, again, not to mention the fact the couple just didn't like each other. <laughs> for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> So Matilda stays in Normandy this whole time until her father summons her back to England to attend the Great King's Council of 1131. And that council gives another oath of allegiance to Matilda, recognizing her as Henry I's heir and the future Queen of England. Okay. So this is the second time the barons have been called to swear their allegiance. In March 1133, Matilda gives birth to her first son, Henry Plantagenet, the future Henry II. <laughs> Her second son, Joffrey, is born a year later in 1134. She named her son Joffrey. Well, she named her son Joffrey and her first son after her father. Okay. I just... This uh, is... This is... It's what they I do. I know it's what they, they don't, do, they only but they have don't like, need to. They only have like five names to choose from, Kat. Again, choose the Irish way. It is said that the birth of her second son was incredibly difficult on her, and she was apparently very close to death. Enough so that she drafted a will. Wow. She recovers. Obviously. <laughs> In the final years of Henry I's life, it is suggested that relations between him and Matilda grew strained. Concerned that they were lacking... Yes? Sorry. Joffrey, the father, and Matilda? Like, her husband? Did I say Joffrey? Probably not. No, Matilda and her father. Oh. So Matilda and her father have a strained relationship during the later years. Gotcha. This becomes a problem for later. Okay. Concerned that they were lacking the needed English support for her eventual succession, Matilda and Joffrey proposed that the royal castles in Normandy be given over officially to Matilda so she could rule them. Oh, okay. Which was not unheard of, especially for, like, sons, for the heir to 
officially take on the role of Duke or whatever. Yeah. And that's just to help, like, really solidify their role so yeah. that when their father dies, they can just You bury step yourself right in. in so deep that no one can pull you out. Yeah. Fucks to it. Um, and they were also based out of Normandy, so it would have made sense to me personally. But Henry I was really concerned that Joffrey was just trying to make a play for his kingdom in France. It also didn't help that at this point Matilda and Joffrey are fending off a rebellion against English royalists in southern Normandy, with Matilda and Joffrey siding with the rebels. Shortly thereafter, Henry II dies in December of 1135. Random note, he supposedly died after eating lampreys, after deliberately ignoring the advice of his doctors. I found that really interesting. I don't know why. It was just At like, what point do you go like, just do it, sir? <laughs> like, you're probably right. You know, the doctors are usually right. Maybe listen to them. Uh, is the doctors in that time? Ah, if the so doctor much. tells you not to eat lampreys, don't I'll, eat lampreys. I'm going to do it because the doctor told me to. But <laughs> and then you're going to die. That's fine. And your daughter is going to have trouble taking her throne. <laughs> Which one? Gemma, Anya, or Jasmine? The Grand Duchess, obviously. They're obviously going to fight. Jasmine's going to win. Stephen of Blah. <laughs> it's time to talk about him a little bit. Uh, Let's go in our in our famed rewind time machine. Our rewind machine. Um, so I can give you a brief overview of her cousin. So, oh wait, Stephen's her cousin? Yes. Wow. Stephen of Blois was the grandson of William the Conqueror through one of his daughters. Probably a Matilda. Fucking Matilda. I'm sorry. Like <laughs> I, I don't have her written down. And I'm sorry, one more time, what is the relation of William the Conqueror to our Matilda? Also her grandfather. Henry I is his fourth son, and Stephen was the son of one of Henry I's sisters. Okay. Got it? Sure. In in that book, there's a family tree. <coughs> <laughs> they're, they're, they're first cousins. Just leave out for that next time. They're first cousins, okay? God. <laughs> God. So Stephen's father died when he was young, and he was placed in the court of Henry I as a child. And Henry I almost becomes kind of like a surrogate father to him. Sources suggest that Henry I decided to support Stephen because on his own, he really didn't represent much of a threat to his son and heir, William at the time, because he lacked sufficient wealth or power to actually make any any kind of an impact. Okay. So he takes him on at court. As Henry I waged campaigns against rival English nobles, including his own cousin at one point, those lands were in turn granted to Stephen of Blois in Blah. order to help propel his rank in the court. As he gained prominence in court, he gained a lot of land, and then he's later married to... Nope, don't you dare. Don't you fucking dare. Matilda <laughs> of Boulogne. So his marriage to Matilda of Boulogne essentially makes them both incredibly wealthy. They become the wealthiest couple in England because of all the estates she had through her dowry. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to kind of backfire because if you think oh. about it, Matilda ends up marrying essentially one of the rivals to the Norman no nobles. So while he was using her essentially to solidify his hold in France and really just support Normandy. Yeah. He married her to 
a French nobleman. Meanwhile, Stephen keeps acquiring all these lands because he wants to help Stephen. And then Stephen marries... Wait, wait, wait. wait. Stephen wants to help Stephen? Henry wants to help Stephen. Okay. And he marries... He ends up marrying a very wealthy English noble noblewoman. Okay. So their ties are in England. And Matilda's are not. Are not. <laughs> it should be noted that when Henry I called together his barons to swear oaths to Matilda and recognize her as, her as his heir, he does this three times. Stephen is amongst those nobles who swore fealty to her. Oh. So what happened? <laughs> I bet you're about to tell me. The anarchy begins. <laughs> So when Matilda and her husband learned of Henry I's death, they were in Anjou and immediately made a move to head north into Normandy, taking a few keeps in southern Normandy along the way and raiding the countryside. They were unable to advance very far, though, facing resistance from the Norman nobility. Matilda is also pregnant at this time with her, with her third son, so it's entirely probable at this point that this hindered her military plans. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Stephen was in Boulogne, a coastal county in northern France, when he learned of Henry I's death, and he's able to usher together his military forces almost immediately and sail off for England. It is at this point that Matilda's half-brother, Robert of Gloucester, makes his moves in England in support of Matilda, blocking key ports in Dover and Canterbury against Stephen, so he can't land. But it doesn't matter, unfortunately. He's able to land in London, and he begins to seize power in England almost immediately. Stephen also has a very powerful brother, Henry of Blois. (laughs) He's the Bishop of Winchester, and he's able to deliver the church's support for Stephen. Henry of Blois would go on to argue that Henry I had been wrong to force his barons to swear their oaths to Matilda in the past, and even goes on to suggest that Henry I changed his mind on his deathbed. I mean, that's convenient for them, right? I mean... There's really no way to know. Yeah. Okay. So, who knows? (laughs) Stephen is crowned the King of England not long after in Westminster Abbey on December 26th, 1135. Meanwhile, back in Normandy, Matilda gives birth to her third son the following year. She'll spend the next three years establishing her household of knights on estates in the border area between Normandy and Anjou. So while Matilda is kind of gathering her forces together, Stephen invades Normandy, but rather than capture the territory, he just burns and raids everything. Wow. Because he doesn't, he doesn't need to hold it, he just needs to keep her from okay. gathering up more support. But also rude. Yeah, uh, I mean, unfortunately, as this is all going on, and this is how it is always Mm -hmm. with war, the people tend to suffer. The most. It's, as they say, like, the people suffer when you lords play your Game of Thrones. (laughs) There it is. There it is. (laughs) So Stephen, at one point, gains an unofficial alliance with King Louis VI of France and Count Theobald of Blois against Matilda. But an embarrassing internal conflict within his own army causes it to fall apart. <laughs> so he supposedly hired Flemish mercenaries. When you say he. I'm sorry. Stephen supposedly hired Flemish mercenaries and they did not get along with the local Norman barons. <laughs> which resulted in, in fighting within his own army. That's never good. 
Nope. And then, so basically, the Norman barons completely desert Stephen, and he has to leave Normandy with his tail between his legs. The poor baby. The poor baby. The poor baby. The poor blah. <laughs> the blah. The blah. <laughs> In England, Stephen faces both a Scottish invasion from Matilda's uncle, King David of Scotland, and then revolts in southern Wales. So basically, Stephen wasn't really ruthless enough to stamp out any of his opposition. Like, he could have probably easily prevented all of this from happening if he just agreed to take the heads of the people who fought against him. But he didn't. And this is this is gonna be a thing that comes up down the road. Mm-hmm. Like he's he was apparently well liked at the time and was known for being very chivalric, but that kind of works against him yeah. later on. Yeah, you can't can't wage war and be chivalric. Nope. <laughs> well, unless you're Steven. Unless you're <laughs> Steven. <laughs> and then of course there's still Matilda's half brother, Robert of Gloucester. Robert is one of the most powerful Anglo Norman barons at this time he controls the earldom of gloucester and several estates in normandy as well he formally renounces his fealty to stephen in 1138 which is the catalyst for triggering this civil war in england and this is her half-brother okay so at this point matilda wasn't actively campaigning against stephen but robert's actions propel matilda's husband to take advantage of the situation and he reinvades normandy King David I in Scotland invades northern England a second time and publicly declares his support for his niece. And then another little side note here. Stephen sent his wife, Matilda, to Kent with ships and the task of retaking the port of Dover, which had been under Robert's control. And that's not our Matilda. No, this is Matilda of Boulogne. So Matilda of Boulogne is actually a very interesting queen consort. Um, She's not currently on my list of people to cover, but she could be. Like, she she was in charge. He put her in charge of the siege, and she was apparently incredibly capable, and her efforts are successful. She takes it from him. So at this point, Stephen is forced to divide his forces up in England to suppress the internal revolts while Matilda secures control in Normandy and mobilizes her supporters in preparation for the invasion. In early 1129, Matilda puts her claim to England before the Pope on the grounds that the throne is her hereditary right and oaths had previously already been sworn to her by the English barons. Matilda's opposition claims that her claim was illegitimate due to her mother being a nun. Bitch, fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) Because misogyny. (laughs) And the Pope does not end up siding with Matilda. So, invasion in 1139. I mean, it doesn't stop her. It it, it would have helped to have this support, but it's it's not going to stop her. But this is Mother F and Matilda we're talking about. That's right. That's right. (laughs) So, by 1139, Matilda was finally ready to invade England and claim her throne. Matilda's stepmother... Not a Matilda. Oh, I was going to say, don't you friggin' dare. <laughs> Queen Adeliza Adeli- declares her support for Matilda. That's and a cool name. I love that name. I like that That's name. That's a great name. I don't know why more people didn't take it. What is it? What is it? What is it? Adeliza. I like... Okay. Continue. <laughs> so Queen Adeliza declares her support for Matilda and offers to receive her forces in Arendelle. I personally love the name Arendelle for a city. I do too, but where's Arendelle for the people like me who are not geographically um, inclined? I, you motherfucker. <laughs> you were supposed to have all the answers. I'm sorry. Hold on. 
me on a map. <laughs> What'd you say to me? <laughs> I said put me on a map. Oh, okay. All right, so. That's aggressive. <laughs> so Arendelle is near Littlehampton. It's basically. I love how you say Littlehampton. Like, that's going to help. It's it's the southern tip of England. That's what she said. Okay. <laughs> um, it's kind of below London. Okay. Okay, so Matilda lands in Arendelle on September 30th, 1139. If you continue to ask me where things are, I'm going to scream. Because <laughs> there's going to be more names. <laughs> so while Robert moves north, uh, Robert of Gloucester moves okay. north to try and secure support for the rebellion... Stephen moves south and immediately sieges Arendelle, trapping Matilda in the castle. Uh-oh. Everything could have ended right here. But for whatever reason, Stephen agrees to a truce after the intervention of his brother Henry of Blois. And Matilda and her knights are released so that they can reunite with Robert of Gloucester. Why? Okay. Yeah, why is a good question. So the reasoning behind this is contested by the contemporaries of the time. Some claim that Stephen didn't really cons- consider Matilda to be a threat anyway. Because she's a woman. Because she's a woman, and also because Robert of Gloucester was still free. He was still loose and trying to shear up support. She, he's the military might behind her army. She's just kind of the face. And what is his relation to her one more time? Robert of Gloucester. Mm-hmm. That's her... Half-brother. Okay, that's what I thought. And he didn't want to waste resources trying to siege the castle um, because it was considered to be almost impregnable. Impregnable. (laughs) Sorry. Impregnable. You had it right the first time. Go ahead. Impregnable. Other sources suggest that Stephen's actions were motivated by chivalry, as it was typically frowned upon to target women in warfare during this time period. Oh, girl, you gotta utilize that shit. This is where... Again, Stephen was said to kind of be dumb because a little bit, yeah. If if you want to rule in this kind of environment, you have to be tyrannical. Yeah, I'm not supporting tyranny, but from a logistics point of view, if yeah. if she had been a man, he would have just exactly yeah taken the he castle. He would have taken the castle. Her. He would have figured it out. But he was too chivalric and did not want to hurt a woman. Upon her release, Matilda establishes her court in Gloucester. Few barons defect to her cause, though, but she is able to carve out some territory for herself in southwest England. The territory includes Gloucester and Bristol, west into the Welsh marches, and east to include Oxford and Wallingford, which are both close enough to pose a threat to London. So I do have a map. I love your map. The blue is where Matilda... Is this Normandy or England? This is England. Okay. So this is directly England. The blue is where Matilda has secured her support. Okay. And then the red is Stephen. Okay. What's the gray? The gray is, I want to say, Wales. Okay. Which is still... Fucking Wales. Wales is always going to be kind of independent of England, but still allied with England. And then, again, north is Scotland. Okay. We will post maps... For you to view on our Facebook page. So Stephen had made a few moves to counterattack Matilda, but he shortly abandons them to return to London and secure the capital. Again, because where the castles she's taken are so close to London. Okay. And if you take London, you essentially take England. You essentially have England. Yes. England is yours. 
In 1141, Stephen has a falling out with one of his most powerful northern nobles. It's a problem. And Ranulf of Chester defects to Matilda's cause. Oh, God. Stephen places Ranulf's castle in Lincoln under siege in response. At this point, Ranulf and Robert of Gloucester have joined forces and overwhelm Stephen's forces during the famous Battle of Lincoln. Robert and Ranulf's forces are both larger and superior in their cavalry to Stephen's. They end up physically surrounding Stephen and then take him into custody. Oh, Stephen! So if anyone is interested in this time period, Ken Follett has a book called Pillars of the Earth, which was later, later adapted by stars into a miniseries called Pillars of the Earth. I was going to say, I know that name. And I highly recommend it. Um, this miniseries stars a young Eddie Redmayne, along with Haley Atwell and Ian McShane. Ooh, good cast. Okay. And then you have Empress Matilda mm-hmm. is actually in Pillars of the Earth, the miniseries, more so than the book. She's just kind of referred to in the book. All right. And she's played by Allison Pill. And in my head, when I picture Empress Matilda, and I will include a picture of a screenshot from the miniseries. That's how I picture her. Oh, yeah. And she's badass in the miniseries. Oh, yeah, she is. So, yeah, highly recommend that if anyone is into, like, historical television. Which Rachel is 100%. I am very much so. <laughs> so with Stephen now in custody and moved, he's moved to Bristol Castle, Matilda is finally able to make preparations for being crowned. Matilda makes a deal with Henry of Blois in order to deliver her the church's support. Prior to her intended coronation, the clergy had gathered in Winchester to formally declare her the Lady of England in Normandy. So despite having most of the support in place needed to officially crown her in London, Matilda hit a huge roadblock when the citizens of London refused to open its gates to her. Uh-oh. So despite securing the support of Geoffrey de Mondeville, who had control over the Tower of London. Mm -hmm. The city itself rose up against Matilda and forced her to retreat back to Oxford. So she was literally outside the castle gates to be crowned. Let me in. And the citizens were like, nah. Nah, bruh. (laughs) Henry of Blois. Blois. Later retracts his support for Matilda, supposedly over disputes between the two over political patronage and church policy. You don't see this, but Rachel and I just hardcore eye-rolled. Yeah. Hard. (laughs) Matilda, in turn, is handed a devastating defeat by Stephen's wife, Queen Matilda of Boulogne. Mm, Okay. And Henry of Blois, when they are defeated at Winchester... While Matilda herself was able to flee, the rest of her army delayed the royalist army and Robert of Gloucester is captured. Uh Uh-oh. Robert's capture is generally thought to be the nail in the coffin for her campaign. Oh no. So at this point, it's pretty much a stalemate and what I like to personally call the Battle of the Matildas. You fucking would, you (laughs) asshole. (laughs) So Stephen's queen refused to offer any sort of compromise to Empress Matilda. Stephen's queen being my fucking Tilda. That's right. (laughs) And Robert of Gloucester refused to entertain any notion of defecting to Stephen's cause. Mm. So guess what happens? Bloodshed and fun? No, they exchange their prisoners. Matilda lets go of King Stephen and then Robert of Gloucester is returned to her. 
neither of them can do anything. So that's true. They're essentially they're, at a stalemate, they're they are the military commanders. Matilda mm-hmm. can't really do anything with Robert in custody, and Stephen or and Queen Matilda can't do anything with her husband in custody. Okay. So they let each other go, essentially. <laughs> Again, this all could have been avoided if Mother F and Stephen had got on the goddamn party boat. So Robert is an essentially reunited with Matilda in Oxford, and Stephen returns to his queen. He holds another church council, which is re- which reverses its support of Empress Matilda and reestablishes Stephen as the rightful ruler. Why? Because... Because he's free now. Mm, and okay. again, she wasn't able to be crowned in London. Okay. So as Robert of Gloucester leaves to join up with Matilda's husband in Normandy, Stephen turns his efforts to Matilda again, once more trapping her in Oxford Castle. So this is said to be another... Is where? Oh my god. I'm sorry! There are so many castles. <laughs> You should know I'm going to ask these questions. Let's go to the Google. The Google! The interwebs. It's in Mm. Oxfordshire. Which is? In England? (laughs) I'm sorry. Yes, this is very much in England. Okay. (laughs) So it's, Oxford is, I want to say, a little bit west of London. Okay. So southern England. Oxford, the university, is also in Oxford, in case you were wondering. It wasn't, but thanks for that. (laughs) So, again, said to be another impregnable castle. I guess this is the one time in his life that Stephen proved to be clever because (laughs) he led a surprise attack across the river Isis, swimming part of the way in order to siege the castle. Matilda, on the other hand, escaped the castle. This is like her most famous escape. Mm. She was lowered from the castle walls by a rope and then made her way on foot, apparently dressed all in white, to camouflage herself, and her companions in the snow. Oh, it's like, how does white camouflage you, Rapunzel? In the snow. There was, like, a blizzard going on, and fucking Matilda escapes on foot. Strategy, bitches. (laughs) The next couple of years had each of them gaining and losing ground in England with no substantial gain in position. King Stephen was almost captured a second time when Robert of Gloucester sieged Wilton Castle, but Stephen managed to escape. The weasel that he is. Right. (laughs) Joffrey de Mondeville, the Earl of Essex, rose up against Stephen, but that, re- but that rebellion ended in 1144 when de Mondeville died during an attack on Burwell Castle. No, I'm not looking it up. <laughs> no! <laughs> Matilda's husband was able to secure all of Normandy and was recognized as the Duke of Normandy by King Louis VII in France. Okay. So, our eventual resolution... Matilda eventually returns to Normandy, and in the following years, she lost several of her key supporters. Robert of Gloucester dies peacefully in 1147. Others either retired from public life or joined the Second Crusade when it kicked off in 1145. Matilda's eldest son, Henry Plantagenet, took up the campaign to take the throne in her place. It is only after the Treaty of Wallingford... Hold on, while you're while you're effing this up, oh, <laughs> Plantagenet. Why does that sound so familiar? War of the Roses, my friend. There it is. They descend okay. from the Plantagenets. I was gonna say Plantagenet is yes, sparking a little kernel of knowledge in the back of my brain. That was gonna be part of my notes later on. Okay, go but, yeah, no. <laughs> So it is only after the Treaty of Wallingford 
that the anarchy is officially ended. This compromise allowed Stephen to retain the crown so long as he disinherited his son and recognized Matilda's son, Henry, as his heir. I was about to get really mad. Why? Because Stephen won, but then you said that Matilda's heir would be... Yeah, I guess Stephen's son wasn't very happy about this and was gonna go on a campaign against his father, but he died like a month later. At what age? I... He's not Young important. as fuck and not important. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he dies. Um, and then Stephen doesn't live much longer after that. Oh, wow. So civil war had raged for nearly 19 years. By this point, Matilda seemed to become disinterested in waging war in England and focused her attention on administering in Normandy. Neither side seemed to want to fight by the end of it, and <laughs> it was the church that helped broker the truce between Stephen and Matilda's forces. After King Stephen died of apoplexy, it's a, a stroke, a hemorrhage I'm really in the brain. I'm really happy you knew that I would question that. <laughs> I even put that in, like, little parentheses. <laughs> Isn't that crazy, though, that, you know, all these years of fighting this war, and by the end of it, you fought so long yeah. that you're just disinterested. You just don't care anymore. Well, it was just, it was a complete stalemate. He wasn't ruthless enough to actually do anything about yeah. it, and... She just didn't have the support in England to overtake him. And God forbid compromise happened. No. God for freaking bid. What is, what is this word compromise you I'm speak of? I'm not sure. I think it's um, defined later on in the years. <laughs> After King Stephen dies, Matilda's son is crowned as Henry II, effectively establishing the famed House of Plantagenet in England that would go on to rule for the next couple hundred years. The houses of Lancaster and York of Wars of the Roses fame both come from the Plantagenet line. So, life as Queen Mother. After her son was crowned as King of England, Matilda spent the rest of her life governing in Normandy in Henry II's name. Matilda is said to have been very involved in the early years of her son's reign. She refused to stand aside for her daughter-in-law, Eleanor of Aquitaine, and... Standing aside for Eleanor of Aquitaine or not standing aside for her, no small feat. She's Mm -hmm. a fucking badass woman in her own right. Eleanor of Aquitaine? Yes, that will be... Another episode! The next one! The next one. The next three? Yeah. Hell yeah. Spoiler alert. She assumed, she being Matilda, assumed many of the responsibilities often reserved for the queen consort. Not only did Henry II reach out to her for policy advice, but while she was alive, the early charters issued for land claims among the nobility were issued in both Henry II and Matilda's names. Oh, girl, get it. (laughs) Chroniclers of the time claim that she grew less obstinate and more easygoing in in her later life, with the exception of one chronicler by the name of Mont Saint-Jacques, who claimed that she was of the stock of tyrants. Oh, that's a no small claim. I think I want that on my headstone. I will make sure that's do Not that a bad you, way to go. I'm going to die before you and you know I am. <laughs> the official epitaph on her tombstone read, Great by birth, greater by marriage, greatest in her offspring. Here lies Matilda, the daughter, wife, and mother of Henry. Hell yeah. Yeah. I will do that for you. Thank you. If I'm still alive. <laughs> <laughs> of the stock of tyrants. I did have one of my bosses email me yesterday saying I scared him, so I don't think it's too far you, off. You, okay, so you are very scary via email? 
You are. Oh, thank you. You are. But I know you, so I can't. I'm sorry. That's what Whitney said. She was like, why are people so terrified of you? Apparently, people have been terrified of me for a long time. You're very scary via word verbiage. (laughs) How was that? Just fuck off. (laughs) So I'm very scary via face-to-face. I'm apparently scary face- You thought I was a bitch. I thought you were a bitch, and I knew you were scary. Oh, I'm fair. Different but, but in men, every way. Men can't distinguish the two. Because men are little bitches. <laughs> not all men. <laughs> Most men are little bitches. Hashtag not all men. Okay, calm the fuck down. Final thoughts. So there were a few contemporary examples in this time of women ruling in their own right. There was only one other European queen who existed during this time period that could claim this feat. Araka of Lyon, the Queen of Lyon, Castile, and Galicia. Matilda made sure to elevate her status after marrying the Holy Roman Emperor, adopting the title of Imperatrix, which again translates to Empress. I'm gonna need you to start calling me that. Imperatrix? Yes, please. No. There can only be one. (laughs) Fight me. (laughs) During her campaign against King Stephen and his Queen Matilda, she adopted the title of Domina which was an imperial title that roughly translated to master. Oh oh my god. Is that where (laughs) dominatrix comes from? Yes. Oh my god, yes! (laughs) In Old English, the title of queen carried the implication that a woman's power was inherited through her husband. So Matilda deliberately chose titles different from queen. As she should. Hence Lady of the English. These titles put her above the ranks of mere men, kings, and queens. She even referred to herself as acting as a femme soul, or a woman acting alone. So it appears she was very aware of the importance of a title during this time period in setting herself apart. Matilda's role in English history will inform the negative viewpoint the English nobility has towards the idea of letting a woman rule in her own right in England. The turbulence of this period led to later kings stressing the importance of producing a male heir, and it will be another 400 years before the first Queen of England, Mary Tudor, comes to the throne as the first official Queen Regnant of England. So Matilda is the predecessor for the women who make political waves in English history in the next couple of hundred of years. They too were demonized by contemporaries. So I recently got this book. It is She-Wolves by Helen Castor. I highly recommend it. And in the book, she remarks that the freedom to act, in other words, did not mean the freedom from censure and condemnation. The risks these queens ran, and this includes Matilda, was that their power would be perceived as a perversion of good, quote-unquote, womanhood. Hard quotes. A distillation of all that was most feared in the unstable depths of female nature. The unease, if not outright denunciation, with which their rule was met has coalesced in the image of the she-wolf, a feral creature driven by instinct rather than reason, a sexual predator whose savagery matched that of her mate or exceeded it, even in the ferocity with which she defended her young. And I like that. These are the she-wolves. Another spoiler, they're all French. Of course. French women. The she-wolves of England um, are really one of the big inspirations for at least my side of starting this podcast. Mm -hmm. 
What ultimately got in the way of Matilda being crowned? What do you think? Steven. (laughs) Steven! Steven! I think there's two obvious answers. The first, of course, being that Matilda was a woman and there was really no contemporary example of what this would even look like. They just didn't believe she could rule on account of her gender. More than that, she operated completely outside the conventions of her gender. Women were expected to be obedient and docile if they participated in military campaigns, as Stephen's wife did. It was always done for the benefit of their husbands and in their names. They did not act autonomously at all. It was just not a thing. Yeah. So, I mean, Matilda is very much one of the first Iron Maidens. She, She didn't actively participate in the military campaigns, but she was still very much there. Yeah. And she was waging it for herself. She was the head of the snake. That's right. There is also the fact that she was essentially a foreigner. I think this is a big part of it too. Despite being born in England, she was married off to the King of Germany when she was a child and spent very little of her time in England. The English people didn't know her. And again, I'm I'm gonna bring Game of Thrones into this because it's uh-huh. It's a example that I think it's a relevant parallel. It's a relevant parallel with Daenerys Targaryen. Mm-hmm. Like she claimed being the heir to the throne, but she spent her entire life in a completely different country. And this didn't come up as much in the show, but in the books, like that's a thing people think about is the fact that she's completely she's foreign. essentially a foreigner. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that was a big factor, and then of course. There is also the fact that her second husband, Joffrey of Anjou, came from the county that was famously rivaled with Normandy. The Anglo-Norman nobility did not trust the Angevins. Although it is clear that Henry I had married Matilda to, to Joffrey to help strengthen her claim, as well as relations with Anjou, it kind of worked to backfire against her. She was also notoriously difficult. Obstinate is the word I have seen thrown about on more than one occasion when describing her personality. She must have undoubtedly had an egregious sense of entitlement, not only from being the daughter of a king, but also the empress of the Holy Roman Empire before the age of 14. Hell yeah. Like, that's all she's ever known. Yeah. She's, she's, was thrust into power and of course she's going to keep striving to be powerful. Yeah. So, several websites online have a bit of a misogynistic tongue when it comes to this speculation. Uh, Despite me obviously being very much against Stephen Ablaw, like, Mm -hmm. I I try not to make any judgment on these people from this period because we don't live in this period and I don't really like to just say, like, oh, that was just the time period. Like, a lot of people died in this time period because of this war that two cousins decided to fight. Yeah. That being said, if you go on historic-uk.com, you can literally read, Matilda was also found to have an unfortunate personality. She was proud and overbearing, arranging everything as she thought fit according to her own whim. Something I want you all to consider, fair listeners, a question of sorts that I want you to always have in the back of your heads is this. Could the same not be said of a king or a man? Anyone who knows anything about Henry VIII would probably also call him proud and overbearing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yet history tends to remember him more favorably, never mind the fact that he chopped off two of his queen's heads, abandoned a third to die alone and cold in a castle, and annulled his marriage to a fourth because she was not pretty enough. 
When we come across criticism for all our future difficult damsels, I like to think that it's important to question whether or not these criticisms are used for their male contemporaries at the time. The criticisms that the women get aren't used for the men. Oh, they're used I to venerate them. Okay, yeah. So mm-hmm. like, Matilda employed criticize women for the same shit that men are doing at the same time. Yeah. Yes. Got you. Okay. I so like, Matilda. Matilda's criticism comes from the place of stepping into the pants of a man, so to speak. How dare you! <laughs> Our questions. Was Matilda more damsel or more difficult? Definitely more difficult. Yeah, I think that one's pretty obvious. Yeah. She, I can answer this one. She was literally known for being difficult. That's how she <laughs> made her name. Yes. Definitely being betrothed when you're six years old. Yeah. Definitely could have had damsel ramifications, but... <laughs> she, was like, she was like, no, bro. Yeah, she stepped into her <laughs> role and she apparently owned it. What hardships would Matilda encounter today if she tried to do whatever the modern equivalent of this is? Since she's an obstinate woman, I can relate on so many levels. <laughs> well, think of think of female leadership right now, especially in this country. Like, yeah, a lot of times, the women running for political office. I've I've heard the term hawkish thrown around for some women, and I'm like, hawkish meaning like, well, think of a hawk. Being predatorial, especially, like, in foreign countries. Yeah. I'm like, are you going to usher that same criticism for men? Yeah. Which is a fair, it's fair criticism. Yeah. But again, if you're going to say that about a woman, you need you to hold the men yeah. you support to the same standard. Oftentimes people don't. Yes. And I think Matilda would have encountered very much the same thing. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And again, I would criticize her for being hawkish, but I yeah. also criticize other people for the same thing. <laughs> but so that is Matilda. That is Matilda. Hell Empress yeah. Matilda. I did almost not, first queen of England. I did not know anything about Matilda before. We Most this. people don't. Yeah. I didn't know about her until Pillars of the Earth, and then I was like, "Hold the phone. Hold the phone. Who is this woman? <laughs> she is amazing. She is awesome." <laughs> So, I mean, it's it's so sad to think, yes, she's amazing, but it's so sad to think that we think she's amazing simply because she wanted to, she chose to be difficult and she chose not to follow the role that she yeah. was given. And I mean, betrothed at six and then yeah. just matters of state at 23. Like, yeah, again, what, what the fuck was I doing at 23? <laughs> I was a grocery clerk. <laughs> I was, I think I, I think I was a grocery manager at that time. But yeah, I was a manager at that time. Yeah. But I was but a still learning. I was a bookkeeper. Yeah. But, but I mean, yeah. we were still learning. We were still growing we up. We were still becoming who we were. We were trying to take over countries. I mean, we, we need were to trying to take over. We were trying to take over stores, but, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, I mean, damn, I, 23 matters of state. And then, you know, her husband dies and you're supposed to, what were the options? Become oh, a, go to a nunnery or One of the things remarry. I totally forgot to mention. So Matilda was also known during her son's reign to mm-hmm. like negotiate. I totally, it's in my notes somewhere. She was called upon to negotiate conflicts. Mm-hmm. So with King Louis VIII in France, she was called upon to negotiate the conflict within his cabinet for um, how to handle the crusader funds. Mm-hmm. 
And then there was another conflict regarding that holy relic. The hand? The hand. East Germany wanted it back, and then I believe it was Matilda and her husband. Matilda, probably Matilda and her son, but they... The church that it ended up in became a pilgrim site, so that mm. church was getting money from people visiting, so she was able to negotiate keeping it where it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Another interesting fact. Indeed. So my sources for this episode, um, a majority of it is from Wikipedia, and you can look up all the lovely dates and names of battles and places there. Mm-hmm. I didn't cover all of them. Like mm-hmm. this, again, this civil war went on for 19 years. Which is called the Anarchy. The Anarchy, yes. I learned. <laughs> and then if you are interested in learning more about Matilda, two podcasts I highly recommend, Queens of England does an episode on her, and then Stuff You Missed in History Class also does a really good episode on that sounds like fun. Empress Matilda. That sounds yeah. like fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Jasmine's, um, so I also up. wrote down, because we talked about like doing random questions. <gasps> yes. Okay. I love random questions. Go okay. ahead. I know. Me too. Oh my God. That's why we're so friends. bad. <laughs> okay. So this is kind of just a stupid random question, but I heard it on... Your mental breakdown. <gasps> I love that they, I know. They did an Icebreakers episode, which I thought was pretty cool. Did they now? So what is the weirdest thing you have ever eaten? Oh my god. <laughs> I'm not I'm not a very adventurous person when it comes to food. No octopus? No, no I refuse. No, someone <laughs> off... So, oh, someone at my store used to eat octopus out of a can. That is disgusting. That's a thing? No, it's... He would... Tear that shit open, and he would just throw it in his mouth. That's what she said. So, it was- and-, <laughs> and it was so awful. he would just pull like octopus. Yeah, the octopi. Sh- I don't know. It's octopuses. <laughs> but yeah, no, he would just eat them. And I'm, uh, I'm not a very adventurous person. Um, I grew up with a very um bland palate, so I think the most adventurous. Is that thing- why you use in? obnoxiously outrageous amount of spices in your food. Yes, and garlic. <laughs> I just love it. A whole can of garlic, yes. Bitch, if it asks for one clove, I'm using the whole goddamn thing of garlic. <laughs> no, I think the most adventurous thing I've ever eaten to date, and it's gonna be so sad, mushrooms. Really? Nobody in my family eats mushrooms. mushrooms I think are, I fucking love mushrooms. Again, I think my brother eats mushrooms now, but mushrooms so and good. fish that was that was a thing i'm not allowed to open a can of tuna in my house because my mom can't stand the smell of fish i don't like the smell of fish. i mean i hate the smell of fish but i love the taste of fish and so i gross. think i think fish and mushrooms i'm so boring i don't <laughs> you were there for the weirdest thing i've ever eaten do you remember i don't know it was back at sprouts the cricket chips oh my god i forgot Okay, we inadvertently ate cricket chips, <laughs> homies. Okay. Oh, you ate we, them too. I ate them too. You had like two though. I had like two, and then I read the bag, and I was like, "This is not okay." Meanwhile, I, okay, I ate Rachel ate bag. like half a fucking bag of cricket I chips. Ate the whole bag in the time it took me to eat two chips. But they I, weren't bad. I mean, they were. They were cricket. They weren't bad. They were made of cricket flour, mm-hmm. which is apparently the new thing. Which, okay, but, like, don't tell me that I'm eating crickets. Like, they weren't bad chips. No, they weren't. But, don't, but yeah, I was definitely... Do not tell me I'm eating ground-up crickets. You told me crickets. that, and I was just like... I, I accidentally read the bag! <laughs> okay, let's, let's let every listener know that they were called chirps. <laughs> so, 
We should have figured that was that. our first hint that maybe we should read a little into what we're oh. reading or eating. Um, but yeah, no, we we definitely ate we chips okay. made of ground up crickets. I forgot about. I blocked that out. <laughs> like that was a thing that You're had welcome. disappeared from my mind until just now. I'm. So glad but I could really, bring up your trauma again. Thank you. I appreciate you. No, they were actually, they weren't bad. They weren't. They weren't bad. But they, I won't go out of my way to eat them. No, never again. Like ever. <laughs> I definitely read Great. labels a little more closely. So yeah. Yeah. So there yes, it is. That's it. Episode two. We will post the maps on Facebook. Yes. Rachel will send them. To we you. have an email. Do you remember what it is? It's Rachel? like dangerous stash. What the fuck, Rachel? <laughs> I don't know. Okay, so our email is <laughs> difficult. It? Fight me. <laughs> Difficult.damsels at gmail.com. I almost said .gov. God damn it. <laughs> and our, our Facebook, Rachel, is difficult damsels. The podcast. The podcast. Yes. <laughs> handle the social media she does not and it's fine she does all the research she has the eight million pages of stuff she actually typed them out guys i did i'd like you to know that she typed them out she had maps she had a book with her i mean rachel's on par that's why the researcher was in top form today it was i appreciate your nerdum 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 all right well thank you guys for listening um Thank you for hanging out with us and our, yeah. our weirdness. Come again. And yeah, come back for episode three. three. I'm thinking ahead. I already <laughs> said what it was. I'm not saying it again. I entirely missed that. So I'm so It'll excited. It'll be a surprise for me as Thank much as it is for I'm gonna you. I'm going to make you watch an old movie from the 60s. Ooh. Wait, me? Yeah. God damn it. Is it subtitled? Maybe. Don't it's, do it's that It's in English. Me. Well, then why is it subtitled? <laughs> I, you can you can put subtitles. You can her, put okay, mind you, her favorite film is a French film, which I'm totally into watching, but I have to be in the mood to read subtitles. Yeah, I gotcha. All right, so thank you guys for listening. All right. And we will see you in two weeks for episode number three. Hell yeah. Stay difficult. Damsels. <laughs> okay, that's... We're, we're done. <laughs> just, just end this. You end it, you're closer. What do I do? You press the ah!